If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Psalm 107 for just a little while. Now, I want to continue last week's message because God wants it to be continued. It's really important that we understand His person and His purposes for our lives so we can pray with faith in His person, stimulated by understanding His purpose so that we can receive His promises into our heart and into our life. Beginning with His person. Last week, I read from Nahum, which means consoler or comforter to Israel. And he begins that ministry by giving a revelation of God, his person. Everybody say his person. You see, the Scripture says they that know their God, not just know his promise, but know his person. Too many Christians are promise-oriented, and faith doesn't come. Faith literally is, is stimulated by promises, but faith comes by knowing his person. Because a promise, let's face it and get practical about it, a promise is only as good as the person who made it. If the person who made it is not a promise keeper, if the person who made it is not a promise keeper and can't be trusted to keep the promise, how are you going to believe for the promise? So, oh, you say, well, Brother Bimble, the Bible said faith cometh and faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. That is absolutely true. But the Word of God is not just filled with the revelation of God's promises to you, but the revelation of God's person, who He is. Faith comes when you understand who God is. They that do know their God. See, Israel saw Him keep a promise to deliver them from the pr- and, and bring them toward the promised land. But they didn't understand His person. Therefore, when obstacles came, they, they didn't know God's person enough to trust Him to take them into the land when anything came up to push back against them. They actually said of Him, Our God must hate us to have brought us out into the wilderness to die like this. I was reading a heart-rending and heart-breaking uh, article uh, uh, of a minister not too awful long ago in Georgia, somewhere in the suburbs of Atlanta, pastored a church of 800 people, had a wife and two children. He was late to church on a Sunday morning. He didn't show up at the pulpit. 800 people have gathered to hear the Word of God. The church was full and bursting out. At the seams, they were getting ready to do what every pastor envisions and would love to be part of, and that is to build a bigger church to accommodate more people. I mean, when you've got 800 there hungry to hear the Word of God, and you've got a building program getting ready to start to expand because more people are coming than you can accommodate, and he doesn't show up, and he doesn't show up, and he doesn't show up. And he doesn't show up. His wife calls home, calls his cell. He doesn't show up. His wife drives home about three miles from the church. He's in the garage. He has taken a revolver, and he's taken his life. She said a week before he took his life, he said, I don't believe that God 
hears me at all. I don't believe that God is listening. He was in deep depression, and yet he was preaching the truth from the Scripture to people hearing it on Sunday. But he himself was not a recipient of the truth that he was preaching. And in that deep, dark valley that he was in, you see, one of the reasons that there's an encouragement for ministers to meet together and, and get rid of the persona that's projected and come there not as bishop so-and-so and come there not as, as apostle so-and-so and come there not as prophet. You've got to drop the tags if you're going to be honest and real before God and before man. You can keep the tag to identify yourself as a Christian minister, as a clergyman. But you've got to drop the tags in your personal walk. God is not impressed with apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and seers and all the rest. And if you really don't know your God, you can get into the deep, dark valleys of depression and we come together to talk about it. We come together to strip ourselves of all of that stuff. In fact, we've shared things uh, that, as one pastor told me, I've shared things here among other pastors that my wife doesn't even know. But he said it is so liberating to be able to share the truth about myself and my needs and not be judged for it. Things I can't share with my congregation because they wouldn't receive from me the same. But I can share it here because I know all of you you guys. I like what uh, uh, the founder of All Pro Pastors said, uh, Paul. Uh, he, said, he said to a minister in one of our meetings, at that time there was about 60 pastors present. And he said unto them, one of them had a daughter, and he said, he said when your, your daughter sees you coming home, uh, from church to have dinner together. Does she run to her mother and say, Mom, Pastor Bill is here? He says, No. He says, Well, what does she say? She says, Daddy's home. Daddy's home. Because that man who is a pastor to the body of Christ is a father to his child, is a husband. To his wife. And it's important that we be a, a husband that God has called us to be and not let church interfere with that and be the daddy that God wants us to be. Depression is a terrible thing. You can argue where that man ever really was saved. You can argue all kinds of things. One thing you cannot argue is that there are deep valleys of depression that people can get in because of the humanness and the flesh part of us. David got in deep valleys of depression. Jeremiah said, I won't preach anymore. The Apostle Paul said, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning the trouble that overtook us in Asia, how we were pressed beyond measure, and we despaired of life. Can you imagine someone with his credentials finding himself in that state? Do you think that guy you see on TV that's always on the mountain peak 
saying, I don't have any problems. All I have is answers. Honey, we all have problems, and Jesus is the answer. But we have to look to Him sometimes from deep, dark valleys. And you're going to discover there is truly a a lily in that valley. There is a light in that darkness. There is a place that God will find you and keep you, and it doesn't matter how far down He has to reach. And if that man could have shared what what was going on inside of him instead of covering it up to keep that persona, if he could have went... You know, the Bible said we're to confess our faults to one another and not judge each other, but pray and intercede for one another that we as a body may be healed. Can you say amen? God wants to heal His whole body, and that includes the person in the pulpit. That includes the Sunday school teacher, the person singing in the choir, the musician playing. All of those platform people need God as desperately as all those people in the pew. Can you say amen to that today? And we can't not admit that and ask for the help we need because we're on a platform or we I have people come through the doors of our ministry and they present themselves as spiritual people on mountaintops and they speak condescendingly to everyone else because they have the answer for you and they have the answer for me but in all honesty when a man says behold I stand and they're not saying it those words but they're saying it through attitude look at me I'm not like you look at me I'm not messed up like you listen to me I have the answer for you Honey, that is, that is someone that I mark immediately as a person who needs to be humbled and represent Jesus with a humility and not with a pride and a self-sufficient, self-exalting. You see, you can't follow Jesus till you deny yourself. And denying yourself means crucifying your flesh. Everybody say, denying myself means crucifying my flesh. You know how, you, how I know that? Because the next verse says, if any man would follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. And then and only then can he truly follow me. Because the things that Jesus is going to lead us to do is going to go against the flesh and against the grain and against the culture. Because his kingdom is not of this world. So we need to know His person, don't we? Before we go to His promises. So I'm going to quote Nahum real quick before we go to Psalm 107. Listen carefully. The Lord is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. See, His person is being revealed. And He knows them that trust in Him. Literally, Rendered in the Hebrew, the word knoweth is not just knowledge of you, but love for you. Because the Hebrew word is cherish. Everybody say cherish. You see, the Bible said no man ever hated his own body. He relates to us so personally, so intimately, but he nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as Christ the church. Hallelujah. So God doesn't just have knowledge of you. He loves you. And because He loves you, He cherishes you. Amen. He cherishes you. So many people, see if that minister 
that morning could have poured his heart out before the Lord and felt God's arms of love enfolding him, he would have come up out of that depth of sorrow. He would have come up out of that place that he was in. He wouldn't have listened to his feelings. He wouldn't have listened to, to the devil telling him that God did not love him and God would not help him. Can you say, man, if he knew his God, I'm not criticizing him, I'm saying the devil pulled a terrible, even if he wasn't saved in preaching, and that has occurred on many occasions, but he could have gotten saved right there in his garage and said, Lord, I'm preaching something I'm not experiencing, and I'm going to come clean before you. There's got to be more than I'm experiencing. I'm not here today trying to get a message for the congregation. I'm here today trying to get an answer from you. And to know that the answer is coming because the Lord is good, and the Lord knows them that are His. Everybody say, cherisheth cherishes them that are his <laughs> hallelujah praise god therefore he is a stronghold in the day of trouble listen to psalm 107 as we go forward for just a little while here is that profound statement again i like psalm 107 we could go we could go a month in psalm 107 because it'll tell you what god has done to show his goodness and then show how we are to respond to His goodness. And it's repeated over and over and over and over and over. When God repeats something, it's like Jesus when He says, Surely, surely. He says, Verily, verily, which means surely, surely. Here in the South, it's look at Him, look at Him. He says it twice. You know why He says it twice? Because He says, I don't want you to miss this. Amen. I want you to get this. The psalmist would do the same thing. He would say something true about God and then stop and say, Selah. Selah. Before I tell you any more, I want this to sink in. Which literally means in music to have a pause where there is absolutely nothing playing before anything starts playing again. But in the spiritual sense, it means to sit down and calmly Lord, how can we sit down and be calm in this rat race world? Someone said one time, even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. Can you say amen? How can you sit down and be calm when if, if you can't get your foot from the brake to the accelerator and you're first in line at the red night, somebody's going to be honking at you. How can you sit down and calmly contemplate? In order for the Word to get from here to here, it involves meditating on the Word. Amen. The Bible said in Psalm 1, amen, that we're to meditate on the law day and night. Not just hear it from the preacher, but go home and open the Bible. I used to find my wife's notes when I preached good enough for her to take notes several years ago. Oh, wait. Faith comes by knowing His person. God isn't impressed with our personal accomplishments only as He wills. I like it. Praise God. Somebody's getting it. She gets the star today. Hallelujah. Gold star right by her name. Praise God. Sit down and calmly contemplate this. Selah. I don't want you to miss it. I want you to get it. 
Blessed is the man who stands not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, nor walks in the way of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he doth meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the river who ceases not from yielding her fruit. And whatever he puts his hand to, because he'll know the will of God, because he's meditating the Word of God. He will know the God of the Word because he's meditating the revelation of Him through the Word. He'll know His person. He'll know His purpose. He'll know His promise. Hallelujah. And therefore, whatever he puts his hand to in the will of God will what? Will prosper. It will prosper. It will prosper. It will prosper. Hallelujah. I like that. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, Psalm 107 and 1, for He is good. Here's that good again. I want to explain good when it applies to God. It's different when good applies to us. You know what Jesus said about our goodness? Our righteousness at our best is as a filthy rag. We've all sinned and come short, missed the mark of the glory of God. Someone came to Jesus and only saw Him after the flesh. They saw Him as just another rabbi. And they said these words, Good Master. And you know what He said? There's none good in the family of man. Not in the sense of the goodness that is applied to God. If you apply what you think the best of us is, you will never know the goodness of God. It goes beyond the best of us. And there's some good people, but not good is God. Jesus said, if you want to compare it to the Father, there's none good but my Father which is in heaven. Every one of you need to repent. The best of you need to repent. You've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. He's never sinned. That's why He is the glory. It shines from Him. It means His purity. It means His purity. It means His absolute pure love for us. People want to see His glory. They never get to know His person. He spoke to Moses at the tent of meeting, mouth to mouth. Moses was so hungry to see him. He said, I want to see you. God said, no man has seen me and lived. You can't see me in all of my glory and survive that. Now someone saw his glory in the temple. He had to somehow mask it for them. Because in the smoke and in the, in the fog of His glory, He could see something, and, and, but He couldn't see full on. He said, you can't look at me full on and live, but I do want you to know me. And He said, He put him in the cleft of a rock. He took Moses and He led him, and He just pushed him into the cleft of a rock. God did. This invisible but viable personal God put him in the cleft of the rock. And he said these words unto him. He said, you can't see me full on and live. But it showed that God wanted us to know him. He wanted us to not have this vague, mysterious understanding of his person. And he said, I'm going to cause, listen, 
And the reason he put him in there because of the glory that attends his presence. It's called the Shekinah in Scripture. Angels that minister in the presence of God had to have wings built into them. Three sets. According to the book of Isaiah, I went into the temple, I saw God high and lifted up His train, filled the temple, and I saw the seraphim, those that minister in the very presence of God. They had three sets of wings. With one set, they did fly and move about. I can picture that in the middle of their, their, their angelic bodies. You see angels with one set of wings, not the ones that minister in the presence of God. They had three sets of wings. Why? Because even celestial spiritual beings with those spiritual bodies, they could not minister in His direct distinct presence without something to shield them to keep them from being consumed by the fire of the Shekinah. With one set, they did move about. But with one set, you can picture it up here, they covered their face. And with one, they covered their feet. Any part of even their spiritual body that was, that was exposed had to be covered in the presence of His glory. No wonder He put Moses, a physical man. Can you man if spiritual beings had to be covered in His presence? He had to somehow cover that man. But He showed His desire. He showed His desire to make Himself known. He didn't have to do that, but He did it. But He couldn't see what we see. He couldn't behold His glory. The Bible said in John's Gospel, we have beheld His glory. How did we do it? We saw His person manifest in Jesus Christ. In Him, veiled by flesh, dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And that's why He said, when you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. Can you say, man, how do you say that you don't know the Father if you've seen Me? Well, if God is like Jesus, He's not this mysterious disciplinarian sitting in heaven with a ball bat getting ready to whack a mole. And we're all moles. Can you say, man? Amen. Amen. Listen, open your family Bible to the book of Genesis and see this angry God driving them out of the garden because of their sin. And some people, that's the first formed vision of the Father that they have. And yet Jesus said He's not that. He is a God of judgment and justice. But He's also a God of mercy and love. And He takes no pleasure in the death of Him that died. So why will you die? O house of Israel, I put two ways before you. There's a blessing to be obtained, and there's a cursing upon a rebellion and sin. There's blessing and cursing. There's life. There's death. You're at a crossroad. He said, choose life. Please choose life that you may live. Praise God, for I have no pleasure. Amen. In him that dieth. Why will you die? Why will you die, O house of Israel? Can you say, man? You don't have to die in sin. You don't have to die in judgment. You can live and be blessed. The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come with a different purpose. 
I've come to give you life. And I've come to give it to you more abundantly. And before you see mansions and Maseratis and gold and silver, Jesus said a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things, physical, material things that he possesses. Well, what is beyond that? Amen. It's the eternal life we have. It's the eternal God that we can call Father, Abba, Father. It's the eternal blessings that He has pronounced through His promises to His people. Hallelujah. These blessings shall come upon you. They shall overtake you. He keepeth covenant to a thousand generations. And the, the Hebrew term for thousand is not one thousand. Even if you counted a thousand, it would be a hundred thousand years of blessing down the line. Believe me, it's only been two thousand since the cross. We're under the blessing. We're the generation of the blessed. But it was a word Beyond that, because the God who pronounced the covenant, who came into the covenant is infinite, and the number is an, a number that is infinite. It means there is no end. Every generation that comes into that covenant is a generation that's under the blessing of that covenant. Oh, you say, Brother Rimmel, that's Old Testament covenant language. Look, go to the book of Galatians. The Bible said they that are of the household of faith, Jew and Gentile, they that have come to Christ by faith, come to God by faith in Jesus, they are Abraham's seed by faith. And the blessing, see the generational blessing? Oh, we've got a lot of teaching on generational curses. We need some teaching on generational blessings. I'm not under the curse. You're not under the curse. The curse has been broken at the cross. You say, Brother Vimble, I'm coming to have a generational curse, bro. If you came to Christ, it's broken. You don't need me to pray it broken. He's the one that broke it. The law of sin and death has been abolished. <laughs> now, therefore, now, 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 right now, hallelujah. There is no condemnation, Romans 8, verse 1, to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. For the law of the Spirit of life has abolished, has broken, has obliterated the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death has been broken by the law of the Spirit of life. I came to give you life and that more abundantly. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. So this is what, this is what He told Moses. I'm going to have to hide you from my glory. See, everybody wants to see the smoke. Everybody wants to see the fire. Everybody wants to see something instead of seeing through the eye of faith the God who is, causes the glory to shine. And the reason the glory shines is because of a simplistic yet profound statement in Scripture that is reiterated over and over and over again. The Lord is good. He, he, he is pure. He cannot lie. He is sinless. Hallelujah. He loves with an everlasting love. This is a love covenant, by the way. It is not just a legal thing that He's bound Himself to by His integrity. 
We have his heart. He cherishes them. He cherishes. I, I get tired of hearing the legal. There is a legal aspect to this. Amen. A covenant. God has bound himself to his word by covenant. But it's, a, it's ratified by the blood of Jesus Christ. It represents his, his love that passes knowledge. If you try to figure it out, you'll never get it. How could he love the people that treated him like that? How could he say, Father, forgive to the people that hurt him? The people that took sick pleasure in watching him writhe in pain, suffocating, bleeding out on the cross. How could he possibly say, Father, forgive them? Because this is a love beyond man's capacity to love without the Holy Spirit. That love can only come within us and flow through us when the love of God, the divine love, the infinite love, is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? Listen carefully. Listen carefully. The Lord is good. So he put him in the cleft of the rock and said, Moses, you stay right there. And I'm going to cause my glory, my Shekinah. No. I'm going to cause something in my person that causes all of that glory to shine in my presence. I'm going to cause my goodness. Isn't that incredible? I'm going to cause my goodness to pass by you. It's His goodness that causes that Shekinah fire to glow. Now here's the wonderful thing about this God of such glory. On the day of Pentecost, believers like you and me, with sins forgiven, seeking God, for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, for the coming of the Holy Spirit to the earth and to live within man. The Bible said there, they prayed and prayed and sought, and there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. I can hear God breathing upon them. Scripture has the breath of God in it. The life-giving breath that took clay and made it a living soul. Hallelujah. Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Inspiration means God, uh, you know, was moved and inspired to give us the... No, no, it's, it's God breathed. Amen. Everybody say, God breathed. Hallelujah. That sound was not a wind from heaven. It was God's breathing upon them. Because Jesus gave them a preview, didn't He? Before that day come, He told them to tarry at Jerusalem until they received power. And that power is through God's pneuma, God's breath upon them. God literally coming upon them and coming within them by the Holy Spirit. This God with all that glory came to live within a human tabernacle. Jesus breathed on them before He said the words and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit before the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit didn't come on that day, but it was coming. He gave them a preview. He breathed on them. And when they heard that wind blowing in that room with no air conditioner and no vents, <laughs> hallelujah, and no tornado tearing the roof off, but they heard a wind 
a mighty wind blew into that room. And they, as God breathed upon them, they were all, all without exception. This is not for a few super saints. This is not for a few Pentecostals. Amen. It was the day of Pentecost, but it wasn't a Pentecostal thing. It was God, the Holy Spirit, coming to indwell every believer that was in that upper room. Hallelujah. And, and when He came within, that glory was, was contained within His person, but upon their heads... If you look at this in an artist's rendering, you will see like somebody flicked a bick. If you don't know what a bick is, it's a little, it's a little, uh, yeah, you know about cigarette lighters. Gotcha. No, I, lo I love you, brother. I was waiting for somebody to say, I cigarette lighter. I got one in my pocket right here by my cigarette. It's okay. I mean, I'm not preaching about cigarettes right now. But you know what I mean. It looked like a little candle. You know, you gotta watch little candles. There's a lady in the Carolinas. I, they had a storm and the lights went out. I think it was the Carolinas this week. They moved in a new house and the lights went out. And they went looking in the basement for some candles to see if the people lived there before left a candle. And they, the lady found, and I'm sorry it was a woman, but it was. It could have been a man. I mean, you know, men can do stupid things. And all the women said, oh yeah. oh, yeah. Anyway, it happened to be a lady. And she found this little red, looked like a big old birthday. You know how they, 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 they have the little candles, and sometimes there's so many little candles, they just get one big one, put it in the middle. Do you know that? Now, what happened? Let me tell you what happened. She picked up this little red candle about that big. She thought it was a candle. She said, I'm going to take this and put it in a dish because the flashlight batteries will go out and they're already dim. She found it in the basement. And it was a quarter of a stick of dynamite. This week in the news. Unbelievable. But it, yeah, a quarter of a stick. You know what happened. It blew most of her fingers off. It burned her face. It, her hand will never be the same. By the way, the word for the Holy Spirit, dunamis, is the word. And oh, when we saw dunamis, dynamite, dynamo, power, dynamite, dynamo, don't ever equate the power that created heaven and earth and the universe with dynamite. There's no big stick of dynamite. There's no multiple sticks of dynamite. There's no hydrogen bomb. There's no atom bomb. There's no nuclear device that you can compare the power that was released when God said, let there be a firmament and everything there is in our universe tangible, poof, came into being. The heavens declare, hallelujah, His handiwork. Glory be to God. It's not dynamite. It's miracle working ability. And it's not just to go out and lay hands on people. It's to let God lay hands on you. It's to let God touch your life. I remember when I was growing up, called to the, my first grade teacher, Mrs. Branch, a deeply uh, religious woman. 
more than religious, she was a Christian. Amen. Dedicated Christian woman. Calling my mom and dad in for a conference. And I was bracking my brain. What did I do wrong? Why would she want to call my mom and dad and say, can you have your mom and dad come on conference day? And I thought, why, 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 why? And I was trying to figure it out. And so when she started talking to them, I got close. What does the teacher want to talk to my mama and my daddy about? And the teacher said, she said, do you know something that I am so convinced of? Something is outstanding about your son. And I'm beginning to feel better. And I thought, I must have made an A on that spelling test. I must have made a, a, a B plus on those fractions. I'm outstanding. And you know what she said? She said, I believe that God has His hand on your son. That didn't mean anything to me. I thought, well, that's better than getting dad's hand on my bottom because I did something wrong. Can you say amen? I'll take that and go home and and not try to figure it out. But here I am, 45 years in January, bringing God's Word to God's people. And I'm going to say something to you. If God's hand wasn't on me, I would not have survived all of the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs. But my God is more than enough. Can you say, man, He is El Shaddai, not El Chipo? Can you, I'm not talking about the material. I'm talking about spiritually. He's the God who is more than enough. And because He is, we are more. We're not conquerors. 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 We are not conquerors. That scripture doesn't say in the new covenant, you are conquerors. Oh, I've got your attention. It's so good to have your attention for just a little bit and to know that you're not looking at the saliva gathering on my beard. I'm wiping my beard so I don't have to think about that. You are more. Why are you more than conquerors? Because God is more than enough for you to overcome. Hallelujah. He's El Shaddai, the many-breasted one, and He is good. He is good. He is good. I will cause my goodness to pass by thee. And I will pass by you and when God says quickly, He's not talking about, you know, a, a big Hemi engine, how fast a race car can go. He's talking about quantum physics. He's talking about something so fast. He said, I have to keep moving past you. And if I manifest my spiritual presence to you, I have to put you in the cleft of a rock. I have to move quickly past you and let you get a glimpse not of me coming but get a glimpse of me going because you can't look at me full on and live. And it tells me that God wanted Moses to know the person who was speaking to him. Not by the burning bush, not by the pillar of fire, not by the cloud that followed them, not by the parting of the Red Sea, but to know Him who caused all of those manifestations. Amen. And when he sent Jesus, 
And Jesus said, have you been with me this long and you haven't seen the Father? God is a spirit. It wasn't just the form of Christ as a physical body made man in his image. And yet a spirit doesn't have this kind of image. So it has to be different from that. He gave us a sovereign will. Part of our God-likeness, not godliness necessary, but God-likeness is that you don't have to get saved. After all Jesus did, after God's commands, you can still choose death over life and darkness over light. And no one can make you do otherwise, and God will not force you to do otherwise. But He will come and knock on your heart's door, and He will invite you to choose life. And He will give you that life that is more abundant if you would but come to Him and bow to Him and no other. The reason Moses kept his faith, because Moses knew his ways. The people knew his wonders, but it wasn't enough for faith when they faced obstacles. They misinterpreted the obstacles as God not loving them, not caring for them, and the devil lied to them about God's person, about God's purpose, and about God's promise. And they wandered in the wilderness believing that lie for 40 years. How bad did they miss it? Our God must hate us. Well, then He's not good, is He? He's not pure and holy, cannot lie, promise-keeping God. You see, God's promises, I want you to say this with me as we close. God's promises are unbreakable. He swore with an oath and said, I will not lie to David. And he didn't choose not to lie. See, this is where his goodness comes in. He didn't choose not to lie. He didn't say, I, I could lie, but I'm not going to. No, he said, I will not lie to David. You know why he didn't choose not to lie? Because it, that in him, in us, there's that possibility. We can fail. We can flub up. We can fall down. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Can you say, but we're not weebles. Sometimes we fall down. I'm here to tell you there is lifting up in Jesus Christ today. God can't lie. God cannot lie. He's a God who cannot lie. Because in Him, in us there's some darkness that we have to deal with. But in Him, in Him, there is no darkness at all. That's why every Here's His goodness. Are you ready? Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness, neither a shadow of turning. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. When He says it, Hallelujah. What a God we serve. What a privilege we have. If you're power hungry and you don't understand that a person has come to live within you, the reason there's power within you is because a person came. The Holy Ghost is not an it. When He, the Spirit of truth, has come. Hallelujah. He's the third person of the Godhead, co equal with the Father 
co-equal with Jesus Christ. He has a particular ministry, but He is no less than the Father, no less than the Son. He's not an it. A person has come to indwell you. And through that person is released power. And the average Pentecostal is after the power and not the person. They want to know the unction of the Spirit and the function of the Spirit, but they don't want to know the Father through the Spirit's indwelling. And when He indwells you, the Bible said He's going to testify of Jesus. He's going to tell you all about Jesus. He's going to lead you into the truth by showing you the One who said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He's called the Spirit of Truth. Not just the liver, shiver, giver. There's some people in here that from time to time are in a service that God is so manifest that you get a blessing in that service. And you think you can go out and face your giants because you got a blessing on Sunday. Well, honey, if, if, you, if you slay all your giants because you got a blessing on Sunday, why are you so messed up on Monday? Say that again. Say it like you mean it. That's true. All right, all right. I know that's true. That's a week that's true. That's true. Go see me on Monday. Lord help me. Amen. You see, it's more than power. We've all experienced the power and presence of God as Pentecostals. But to experience the victory of God, they that do know their God. Hallelujah. Because their valley is so deep, it obscures our understanding of His presence because we interpret it by feeling that overwhelming glory in our bodies or in, in our mind and in our deepest part, our soul and spirit. But beyond that feeling is a revelation and a realization that this God that we come to know, whatever He was, He is, and He always will be. Praise God. And so when the Scripture revealed Him, when He says of Himself, I'll cause my goodness to pass by thee. Listen to this. I'm going to read it really quickly. Psalm 107 says, verse 1, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for what? For what? Are you understanding how profound that is now? For He is good. For His mercy endures forever now verse 2 is can be used two ways accurately every redeemed person in here is told to hold fast your profession of faith which literally means your confession of faith without wavering for he's good he's faithful that promised let the redeemed therefore say so that he hath redeemed out of but there's also something based on the revelation of god's person here the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What was the previous Scripture? The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the... You see, we need to speak what we understand, perceive, and know is true of His person. 
We need to proclaim it. We need to proclaim it when we don't feel it. We need to proclaim it when we don't see it. Can I show you how this scripture is used in physical battle so you know how to use it in spiritual warfare? No matter what's happening to me, the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. That's powerful stuff. Jehoshaphat has a three-pronged army. Three nations have unified to do one thing. Enslave and destroy Israel. And Jehoshaphat is facing with just a small handful of covenant people, Hebrews, this threefold army that's come up to destroy them. And Jehoshaphat doesn't have a clue what to do. But he says his eyes are upon the Lord. He seeks the Lord for the answer. And the Bible said, Thou shalt not have to fight at all in this battle because the battle is truly the Lord's. And if you want to make the battle the Lord's, you've got to know something about Him. And you've got to proclaim it. So they went out to battle. He said, no, no, don't send one soldier. Don't send one armed military man. You don't have the physical ability to overcome what's against you. Or the material ability. The singers he got was not the church choir in cloistered robes. They were ministers of song in the temple and their praises was not to stimulate the audience or show off their singing ability. Their songs were not for a, just the people of God. Their songs were unto the Lord. They went into the temple to sing praises unto God. He said, get those singers that praise God. Oh, there are choirs that love to see the people applaud them when they're done. There are choirs that sing the high praises of God and the choir members run outside to have a smoke before they come in the church. Miss half the preaching and don't miss it. I've had musicians that did crosswords during communion because after they played and showed off their playing ability and did what was fun to them, they had no use for church. I had a man would come and play with my dad because he was so sweet and they loved their music. But he wouldn't stay for the preaching of the Word. He wouldn't stay for the Word of God. He was dishonoring the Word of God, disrespecting the Word of God, but he wanted to use the platform to have fun with his instrument. And I told him if he did not stay for the Word of God, he could not play on the platform. Oh, Brother Venable, you're so cruel. No, I'm not. Amen. God will bless or God will not bless, and I'm not going to give up God's blessing on this ministry or God's anointing because I'll let those kind of shenanigans go on. If you don't love God, don't get on a platform. If you don't love God, don't sing a song about how much you love Him. Can you say, man, if, if you're not willing to serve God, why do you want to be up front? The only other possible reason is to be seen of men. He said, don't get those singers. You can't win the battle with those church people that 
that go through the motions on Sunday get those praisers that go in the temple and sing their song not horizontally to get an applause but they sing it vertically to bless the Lord oh my soul and all that is within me can you say amen hallelujah 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 go get the praisers go get the worshipers not just the song singers because he inhabits he inhabits the praises of his people can you say man hallelujah and the word inhabit doesn't mean he just shows up <laughs> it means he shows out glory be to god hallelujah because the word for inhabit is enthroned he's enthroned by his people we put him in the place in our heart that he should always be hallelujah and that is seated upon the throne they brought out the singers and then god told them what to sing God told them what to sing. Well, Brother Vimble, I want to sing this. Well, I, Brother Vimble, I'd like to sing that. Well, you can't win victory by just singing a sentimental song or a hand-clapping song or a foot-tapping song. He told them the words to sing. And he said, when you sing it, sing the same verse over and 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 over. Someone say, what was the verse of Scripture they were to sing? I'm going to tell you straight up, it's a revelation of God. They sung a revelation of God and how He relates to His covenant people. Say, the, let the redeemed what? Say so. Say what? Is that what they sung? Verbatim? Sentence? Is it simple? But yet, is it true of God? Is His goodness more than what we think of just being kindness and giving and loving? Oh yes, this is about His purity. This is about His sinlessness. This is about His unfailing love. Praise God. His promises are un. Breakable so that our faith can be unshakable. Woo, I want to say that again. It felt so good. His promises are unbreakable so that our faith can be unshakable. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And his mercies are new every morning. Hallelujah. This I recall to mind in the, in the worst time in Israel's history when they're going into captivity, corrective judgments, chastisements are in the land. And when I consider the wormwood, Lamentations 3, and the gall, Jeremiah says, I preached and nobody's listened. They put me in a dungeon. They slapped my face. They turned from God and they turned from me. This I recall to mind. Therefore have I hope. Thy mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Not just general faithfulness. Specific faithfulness to show mercy. Son of David, have 
And Jesus stood still and said, bring that man that has a revelation and an understanding that I'm not just a healer. I am a merciful God. You can be healed because of that mercy. But it's mercy that precedes your healing. It's mercy that precedes your help. It's mercy that never fails. It's mercy that is offered. Hallelujah. 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 So they begin to sing, The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Over and over. And they proclaim this truth about His person. And these three armies came forward to steal, kill, and destroy. And they saw a choir singing a revelation of God speaking. Let the, the Lord is good. His mercy forever abides forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What happens when you get it and you speak it? I have believed, therefore have I spoken, the apostle said. The Lord set ambushments. You know what that meant? Chaos came to this unified force purpose to destroy them. And every man, a fear overtook them. What? They felt something out there in that battlefield. All they saw was a choir proclaiming the truth about the person that was in covenant with Israel. But they must have felt something because chaos and confusion and fear began to grip them. And they turned on one another. And they began to slay one another. And they kept killing each other. And killing each other. While the choir kept proclaiming, The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. The Lord is good. And His mercy endures forever. They're killing each other. Let's sing it again. The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. We thought they were going to kill us. God is fighting for us. You know why He's fighting for us? Because the Lord and His mercy let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah. Because when we know it by revelation and say it by faith, the enemy, the enemy cannot cannot and will not overwhelm the child of God that knows their God and proclaims the truth about Him by faith. Hallelujah. With the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth. Everybody say, with the mouth. Confession is made unto salvation. Come on, it's incomplete until we say it. Can you say amen? If you say to this mountain, come on, church. We've we got to learn the power of a positive confession. 
we got to learn what it means to, to line up with God. He hath said, He hath said, He hath said, I will never leave you. Hebrews 13, 5. He hath said, I will never leave you nor forsake you that we might boldly say, well, I sure don't feel like it. Well, well, if He's with me, I'd like to know where He is. Lord, have mercy. Job ain't got nothing on me. Is that what you're going to say? Is that all you know about God? There's nothing you know by revelation that transcends your circumstances or your feelings? God's not bigger than that. He's not better than that. You know what they said when they hit obstacles on the way to the promised land? Because they didn't understand the person who wanted to take them there. They saw His wonders. And this is what they said. Our God must hate us. That's what they said. What did the spies say except for Joshua and Caleb who had a different spirit? What did they say? What did they say? There's giants in the land, cities walled up to heaven and fierce armies. What, what, what a setback. What a letdown. God brought us this far and we can't have any of it. God promised it to us and we can't get it because the cities are too tall and, and there are giants in the land, the sons of Anak, and we were as grasshoppers before them. That's what they said. But what did, because they knew God and they knew it didn't matter if God promised it, it didn't matter about giants and walled cities and fierce armies. What did Joshua and Caleb say who saw the same city, the same army and the same giants, but they saw God is bigger and better? What did they say? Let's go up at once and possess it for we are well able. The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But listen to this very carefully. Who did, who did that mighty crowd of people that He brought out of Egypt and showed His wonders, who did they listen to? They listened to the evil report. And listen to this, before you speak a word to anybody else that's a brother and sister in Jesus, husband, wife, whoever, listen carefully. Our brethren hath discouraged our hearts. Those words of defeat, those words of doubt, those words of fear were embraced. Our brethren hath discouraged our hearts. Listen to this. Say, what if they had said in unity to God's people, let's go up at once. Oh, by the way, there are giants. but God, the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. It doesn't matter about the giants. This is promised land. He made a promise. So, Something's going to have to give and it won't be God. Can you say, man, He brought us out of Egypt. He can bring us in to Canaan. Hallelujah. The Bible said they turned back and limited the Holy One of Israel. They turned back. They limited the Holy One of Israel. What would happen if me and you and us, if we took the limit off of God in our life? 
Do you believe that He has any more blessing for you? Do you believe He has any more purpose for you? Do you believe that He's, He's, He cares about you? He cherishes you. He wants to answer your prayer, to hear your cry. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's time you started saying so. But before you can convincingly say so, you've got to know so. And you've got to know so because of the revelation of who He is in the Word of God. God. 